0: is part of the media ministry of Cornerstone Church. You can listen to this and other messages on our website at www.cornerstone.org or by subscribing to our podcast. Today's teaching is by Pastor Daryl Rivers. Proverbs 18 The name of the Lord is a strong tower and the righteous runs into it and is safe or literally is set on high. I uh been gone a couple weeks. It's good to be. It's good to be back. Uh, took a little bit of time with the boys and uh, and uh, went camping and uh, went to the beach a little bit with them. And um, so I'm back. I'm all better. And uh, let's go, right? No, I wish it were that easy. Um, let me. Uh, you know, I I, I want to jump back in here, and I was trying to figure out. You know, the the right way to do it. And, uh, I figured that if I just, if I just picked back up where we left off, so to speak, um, might be, um, I don't know, a little odd and, uh, I'm sure you've uh, been wondering how we're doing and such. So let me give you just a little bit of update on us and uh, tell you where we've been and how we're doing from the last few weeks. And then, uh, to balance that, let me just go ahead and say, especially for those of you who uh, who are newer to Cornerstone and just kind of came on board as all this uh, in in our life, the life of our family and our church family has unfolded. Uh, I promise this isn't going to be the sermon every Sunday from here on out. All right, um, I get that, and that's that's not going to be the way it is. But today, uh, first Sunday back, I do want to I do want to just uh, thank you, number one, for for just continued prayers, and support, and uh, texts, and emails, and cards, and uh, meals, just everything that you've done to show and express your your sympathies and your care for me and the boys, and all of our family is uh, I can't I can't pay it back, and it's been uh, unbelievable. Uh, the boys have just been blown away. Uh, it seems like you know every few days somebody stops by or drops something off, and and I can just see it. They don't really know how to put it into words, but I could just see in the boy's heart and mind. What in the world? Why would they help us like that? Why would they why would they do that? And so that's that's been encouraging uh, to be to me specifically. The boys in particular, they're doing wonderful. They're doing I really don't know what to say. uh, they're doing. um, Great. Maybe I could say no. There have been from uh, from day one. I think we're on day 61 now. Um, no real outbursts, no moments of, of great tantrums that you kind of would expect that, you know, could come along at some point. Um, and you know, I thought a lot of, I thought a lot about that. Um, I would like to believe that, um, they're doing well because of the foundation that, um, we had laid in them previous as a family, the foundation that this church has been to them. I'd like to think, uh, that, um, the investment that this church as a whole, not just my family, but, but the way we as a family church connect and, and, and build into each other's lives that, that you've been a part of, um, laying a foundation or a framework in them so that they could cope in, in the way that they have so well. Um, I know it's been God's grace, um, from the moment I told the boys, um, i just have seen god be gracious to them in in their strength surely your prayers and the prayers of really people uh across the country that um many i don't even know i got a card this week from from um a couple in north carolina friends of a of a friend of a friend kind of thing you know and just a long long uh, card saying how much they were praying for us and the boys and and we'll continue to do so and uh and they have friends in Buford, and if we need anything, they'll call their friends in Buford. That kind of thing, you know. It's just been kind of amazing. I had a friend who stopped by in his uh, in his travels last night, and he was telling me about how his his coworkers ask about us from time to time. He said it's weird. He's like, you know, it. He said it's it's normal for me to continue to think about you guys. He said, but when there's been times when I'm not thinking about you, and one of my coworkers will ask about you, and 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 so. Um, we've been blown away. Thank you for that. I, I think the prayers. I know the prayers. I know God's grace. I, I, I trust that the framework of what we had already built, what Kimberly had already built in the hearts of our boys, is what's making them do so well. Um, so uh, many of you have asked, you know, have I, have I lined up something for the boys, someone for the boys to talk to, a professional, etc. And And I have a list of six or seven uh, child psychologists and, and professionals that the boys can and will at some point I'm sure speak with. I'm trying to just you know to be frank. I'm trying to walk that line of when is the right time and and not force an issue on them that's not right now an issue, but just kind of navigate that so you can continue to pray that the timing of that is right. Um, how am I doing? Um, I I've typically been answering that. What well, is kind of a silly question? You know, it's not a bad question. There really is no good question. Okay, I'll just tell you, um, but. You know, anytime somebody asks me, hey, how's your day going? Well, the best answer I can come up with is I'm doing as good as bad can be. And, um, you know, that's okay. So it it is what it is. Um, I'm struggling to find, you know, new balance in things around the house and work and just life. And, you know, summertime with the boys home is a whole other thing. And so then things will change when they go back to school. And some things will get easier, maybe more difficult. I don't know. But I'm, I'm, I'm struggling through that. Uh, am I talking to someone? Uh, many of you have asked, are you talking to someone, Pastor? Are you, are you, are you seeing someone? And uh, yes, the answer is yes. I'm talking to many people. I have, have, a, good, I have a good core group of friends that, um, um, from way back and, and in, even many of you that, um, that I do talk to and I share bits and pieces with different people so not to overwhelm any one person maybe. But um, professionally, I'm talking to people. Um, the first week that I was gone, In this last few weeks that I was gone, I was uh, gone with the military. I was at a professional development uh, conference for Navy chaplains. And uh, during that week, um, one of the days of sessions that we sat through was uh, led by a high-ranking Navy doctor uh, who is a clinical psychologist, psychiatrist, and basically... Uh, she spent the day talking about all things related to what Kimberly and I were going through the three months prior to her passing. And so you can imagine, you know, that was a little difficult, uh, but also um, it was a God thing. It was God's timing. Ended up at the end of the sessions uh, asking um, this lady if um, if she would take appointments (laughs) during the conference. And she said, yeah, I'd be happy to see you. So we spent about four hours till about two in the morning. Uh, at the hotel there on the base, just talking and um, letting her help me through my side of it, but then also spending a good amount of time talking to her about what happened, help me understand what happened and uh, I'm not going to talk to you about that today that uh, I'm still processing that and the information that i that I'm getting and researching and things to help me understand what happened and 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 I'll share that with you at some point. Uh, I told you early on that I felt like Uh, At some point, I would write out some sort of some sort of story of the last two three months uh, with Kimberly and help you understand a little better what what in the world happened. And I want to do that. And uh, I've tried a couple times, even early on, to start that and uh, something that you know I may, if they let me, you know, I'll put it in the paper so that the community community could read it as well. I know there are questions out there, Um, but. It just hasn't you know, I'm kinda of one of those guys where when I start writing something or when I start writing a sermon, it's either happening or it's not. And so it just it's not happening. And part of the reason I realized is I've I needed to meet that doctor and I needed to get some more information and, and things are unfolding in my heart and mind and I'm I'm waiting on the right words and so uh thank you for your patience in that. That I haven't forgotten about that and I'm I'm still looking to do that and um hopefully Sooner than later, God will give me the right words, and that'll that'll come out, and it'll be helpful to you. I want it to be helpful to you. So, uh, you know, in this update, uh, I wanted not only include the boys and, and me, but I but I wanted to I wanted to include you. Like, I want you to know that I care about how you're doing, uh, not just around this situation either. Like, um, I'm I'm back, so uh, I know some of you have like hesitated. Hey, should we call Pastor? You know, I got this going on or that going on, and he's got. Stuff going on in his own heart and mind. He doesn't need to hear my stuff, you know. Big or small, I want to hear it. And I'll just tell you, um, it, in part, it helps me. You know, it's helping me to deal. If I can help you, it helps me, you know, in, in finding finding that I can help you and get back in the swing of doing some of that. So, so don't hesitate if you if you need me. You want to text me, call me, email me. Just do it. Stop by the house. Please do that because uh, you also need to know it helps me. But I, I care. I wanna I want to plug back in with you. Uh, some of you have asked me, you know, I just don't know what to say. You know, I, I think about you a lot. I think about the boys a lot, and I want to, you know, I, I pick up the phone to call you or text you or something, and I just don't know the right thing to say. And um, just don't worry about that. Let me just tell you, there's not a right or a perfect or, you know, sometimes even the good thing to say. I, I'm gonna, I know that. All right. So if you say something that just doesn't seem perfect or whatever, and you just want to text me anyway, just do it. You know, the best, the best texts or emails and things that I've gotten or. Are just people saying, "Hey, I'm thinking about you today." I, you know, it's still on my mind. Um, so for me to know other people are still thinking about us or still thinking about her is helpful. It's just good, and, th- and that that's enough. You know, I don't I don't need a dissertation, or I don't, I don't need you know, you don't have to um, give me a, a wise nugget or a quote or any of that. Just hey, thinking about you today. Thinking about her. That that's uh, very encouraging and helpful. So. Um you know when pastors go through stuff um I think one of the things that we do is we we kind of look back into our own file of sermons and I know that over the years, you know, no matter what the situation is, even if it's just a current event situation in our in our world, my tendency as a not just a pastor but as a preacher is to kind of look back through my files, mentally or literally, and say, "I ever preach on that?" or what, "What do I what do I have on that?" You know, "What have I what have I said about that?" And when it's personal stuff, it kind of goes beyond that. It's not just um, "What have I said about that?" but it turns into "Did I really believe what I said about that?" You you're tracking with me? It becomes and, and you know, within the context of my life right now, there's been a whole lot of, well, preacher, how are you going to heal thyself kind of thing? You know, like. Um, I, I've said a whole lot of stuff over these nine years to you guys. Right. And I would like to think that I at the same time have been preaching to myself. But, you 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 know, you got to be honest with yourself and say, hey, you know. Have you really heard what you've said? (laughs) And um, so there's been a lot of that in my mind, you know. Um, A lot of sermons from uh, the recent past and and distant past have come back to my mind. And and I've had to ask myself, you really buy that, what you were selling? Because it would help you if you did. And, um, some of the times I, I have to say, yeah, I do. I believe that. Other times, honestly, I say, maybe I need, maybe I need help on that one, Lord. Maybe I need to work on that more. Um, a couple days after the funeral, I, um, picked up Kimberly's purse and she had her Bible in her purse and found, uh, just flipped through it and it was just a couple of things in her Bible. She would write in her Bible a good bit, but, um. The one sheet of paper that was in her Bible was a copy of my sermon notes from a sermon I did. I haven't found it yet, and uh, you might have noticed our website is down and and the podcast and all that, and and, and that's all coming back, and we'll find that sermon. Uh, I'll find the sermon, but there were notes of a sermon I did. I think it was entitled, When When Your World Goes Dark or When the Lights Go Out or something like that. Maybe some of you remember that sermon, and um, she had a copy of my handwritten outline, and bullet points of that sermon in her in her Bible. And I thought, okay, you know, she had it in there for a reason and so I I don't know if she had it in there for what she was going through in the in the final days. Maybe. It could have been in there since the day I preached the message. I, I honestly don't know. But I felt like I'm gonna pull it out and I put it into my Bible. I'm gonna hold on to it because it seems like maybe there's something there for me, right? That was one of those one of those moments where preacher, you said these things. Do you believe these things? When now your your world has gone dark in some way? Do you, do you believe these things that you said? And there were 12 things. And uh, I read through them and um, and I said to the Lord, yeah, Lord, maybe I need to think about these things because I, I don't know. I don't know that I, in my heart, am buying in or that they're really having an impact on me right now. And so I put it away and uh, a couple weeks after that, one of you emailed me and it said something to the effect of Pastor... Uh, uh, um, a, pre, a, a really good preacher I know once preached a sermon, and I found the notes in my journal. I wanted to share it with you. And it was my sermon. It was the same outline, the same notes that Kimberly had in her Bible. And uh, so I thought, okay, uh, emailed back. I think I need to pay attention to that. Thank you for, for sharing that. And so I've, I've thought about it a lot. Those, those 12 things are what I want to share with you this morning just to get us back on track um, pastor what have you what do you do when, when when the lights go out when the world seems dark and um, you're just in, in in a deep dark place maybe when it seems like there's not a whole lot of um, a whole lot of light or vision to comprehend or understand what's going on around you when you feel blind in some ways, um, what do you what do you do? And I share these with you mostly just to be honest and transparent with you, and to say that I want to tell you I have not automatically done these things. Now I can be I can be very frank with you and just say that um, um, as I read back over them, um, the message the message has to have been then for me now to a great extent. And um, I want to share them with you. I want to share them with you this morning. And I'm not going to re-preach it, okay? So, you know, when we find the sermon and you want to... you want to, I'm interested in listening to it because I don't really fully know the context of why I said it then. But I know it's it's important to me now. So, 12 things. You want to, you want to jot these down? They're easy. It's 12 things to do or... More than doing, it's, it's what you want to be in Christ. You know, what kind of Christian are we going to be when, when the rubber really meets the road? But what kind of Christian will the community really see? Will your extended family really see when, when the lights go out? These are things not necessarily to do, but they're things that we need to be. You see the difference? So, number one. My note said, be patient. When it goes dark, when the lights go out, one of our tendencies is to freak out, right? <laughs> Find the light switch. Turn the lights back on, figure out what went wrong and what happened. And it's been very clear to me uh, over the last 61 days that when my mind starts to go really fast, the Lord just says, hey, just slow down. Be patient. I remember saying in that sermon... Um, talking about how, you know, we as preachers like to say God may not come when you want him, but he's right on time, you know, that whole thing. Uh, I I might might say it in a different way that in life the truth is, the reality is, the hard truth is, is that God is not always on our timeline. And he doesn't fix things when and where and how we might want him to fix some things. The timeline of eternity goes into eternity past the time and space of your lifespan, my lifespan. There may be things in this life that we don't get answers to until we enter into eternity outside of the parameters of the here and the now. Are you okay with that? Am I okay with that? That bad stuff happens and we wonder why. And God sometimes only says, just be patient. And you're going to have to wait on that one. And, um, you know, I think I think in church circles, especially sometimes we like to say that God will God will answer every question we have. And the the truth is, that's just not true. Not here, not now. He doesn't. Um, Sometimes we got to wait. And we got to wait until we step into eternity. Be patient. Number two, be careful. Be careful. What do I mean by be careful? Um, In my notes, I had that there will be other voices. When the lights go out, it's funny how um, you start to hear your own inner voice a lot louder sometimes. And sometimes your inner voice, your conscience, whatever you want to call it, your heart, your mind is quiet. Sometimes it's whispering to you. Sometimes it's confused. But what you find in the darkness very often is that you don't know what voice is what. So be careful. Be careful when the lights go out because... Um, sometimes you're listening to yourself and you're wrong. Sometimes your old sinful nature is shouting or whispering to you and you're off. It doesn't equate to the truth of God's word. Sometimes you can't tell your voice, your still small, painful voice from the still small voice of God. And sometimes there are voices of those who would gather around you that are good. And you need to navigate and discern what voices to listen to. But you gotta be careful. Why? Because some of those voices are wrong. See also Job. Some of those voices are just they're just way off base. Some of the things that get whispered or shouted or said are just dumb. Yeah? You ever been? You ever been in those moments? <laughs> you just think, What in the world did you just say? Seriously? You said that? Um be careful. Navigating, discerning the voices that that are in the darkness in those moments is a challenge. Number three, be honest. Be honest. Be honest with who? Be honest with, my notes say, with God and with yourself. You know, in the darkness, um, it's it's very comforting to know that um, God is okay if I cry out in complete honesty about how I feel, what I think, um, he can handle it, right? I mean, he's big enough, right? In the darkness, if you want to freak out in front of the throne, then freak out in front of the throne. If you want to break down, if you want to shout out, um, it's okay to be honest with God. I mean, think about think about that statement. Could there ever ever be anything wrong with telling God the truth about how you feel? For the one who is truth and who says truth will set us free. Could there ever be anything wrong with you sharing the truth with your heavenly Father? Even if the truth is anger, bitterness, jealousy. Even if it's the ugly stuff in you, it's the truth about you. It's the truth about me, and and God. God can hear those things, and I think He wants to hear those things. Um, In other terms, we call that confession. Confession is telling God the truth about life, about me. God, this is true about me. Good, bad, and ugly. This is true. So, be honest. Be honest with God, but also be honest with yourself. It's amazing how how we build into our own lives a coping mechanism of sugarcoating things in our own heart for our own self, isn't it? Uh, I found over the years in preaching that one of the things I feel like I have to say very often is don't 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 dupe yourself. Don't lie to yourself. Don't let yourself sear your own. Conscience. Don't let yourself talk yourself out of something. Just be honest with yourself. It's amazing that it's difficult for us to do that. We would think that we would want to tell ourselves the truth, but sometimes, in order to cope, we, we tell ourselves something that sounds a little bit better. We tell ourselves that we're doing better than we actually are. We tell ourselves that uh, um, things will get better very quickly. When what we really need to say is this is going to be a long road. So be honest. Number four, be humble. Be humble. Ecclesiastes 5.1. Ecclesiastes is a good book in the darkness. Read it. From the wisest person who ever walked the earth, you would think he might have something worth listening to to say about what happens when life doesn't turn out the way you think it should turn out. And that is the context of Ecclesiastes. It's, it's Solomon looking around and saying, man, I got a whole lot of stuff. And I've lived a whole lot of life. And it just didn't turn out to make me feel the way I thought it would make me feel. It's, it kind of stinks. And he just writes in complete honesty. One of the things he, he says in the context of complete honesty before God is that we need, to be, we need to be humble. You know, it's one thing to be honest, but I think it's, it's nice to balance our honesty with God with a good dose of our humility towards God. Ecclesiastes 5.1 says, Guard your steps as you go to the house of God. And draw near to listen. Rather than to offer the sacrifice of fools. In the context of that verse, what do you think the sacrifice of fools would be? Go ahead. I heard Brian asked you questions a couple weeks ago. So I know you can talk, right? Guard your steps as you go to the house of God and draw near to listen rather than to offer the sacrifice of fools. Draw near to listen rather than offer the sacrifice of fools, which would be, i.e., what? Open in your big fat mouth. Solomon would say, be careful. be careful when you come into the presence of God and you think you have a whole lot to say because maybe you end up like Job at the end with your hand over your mouth saying, I got nothing to say. In the light of your glory and grace, in the light of your majesty, in the light of who you are, God, the creator of all this universe, having done everything that you've done that I can't even begin to fathom. That's what he does to Job. He overwhelms Job with with how big he is. And Job ends up in dust and ashes, repenting and just saying, I'm going to shut up right now. Solomon would say, be careful, be humble when you come into the presence of God. Can we be honest and tell God the truth? Yes, we can. But we can do that with a spirit of humility at the same time because he is beyond anything we can imagine in his holiness. So be be humble. The end of that verse says, For they do not know they are doing evil. Who is that? The fools who, who would run their mouth at the throne of God. Number five, be transparent. Be transparent. It's what we're doing today. My notes say don't hide what's happening from others. I've particularly wondered about that one now as I look back and I think back to when I preached it the first time. I, um, I have to say, Lord, you're going to have to help me with that. You know, there's part of, part of a person when they go through tragedy or trauma um, that just wants to, uh, that just wants to drift off into oblivion. And um, not be a part of the real world anymore. I'll be honest. My first inclination was uh, was to grab my boys and just go, <laughs> kind of just be gone, disappear. Like I don't know. I don't know where we would have went. It'd have been far away, and I don't know when we would have come back. I mean, that, that's your first tendency. I think it's human. I think it's normal. But I realized that uh, I needed to be back that first week, that second week. I needed, to, I needed to say some things that was good for me. And I found that it was good for you to hear those things from me and to hear them pretty quickly. So transparency is important. I think you know that. We have tried here at Cornerstone to, uh, to make that a priority. One of the reasons we put this table here and that I started sitting down instead of walking around and putting on a good show Was to communicate the fact that we are a family. This is our family table. And we're just going to talk. And we're going to be honest. And we're not going to worry about the show. We're not going to worry about the song and the dance. And uh, we're going to be transparent. And I'll tell you over the years. The most compliments I get at the end of sermons. Are sermons when I just tell you the honest truth. About what's going on with me or life. Or we just intentionally try and be transparent it seems that it's refreshing to you so it's helpful when you're in the darkness letting other people see how you handle that is helpful and encouraging to them for their time of darkness whether it is then or in the future number six be a theologian be a theologian what does that mean what i meant by that was run to god search his scriptures search for truth Study well, be a student, be a theologian. In the darkness, there's, there's no greater place that lies to try and sneak in. You know, at your low point, Satan would like to sneak in with more lies. Those are the times when we have to seek out truth more than ever. What is the truth about God is the most important truth in all truth. A.W. Tozer says the most important thing about you and I is what comes to our mind when we think about God. Be a theologian. The study of God has to be a focus. Number seven, be quiet. Um, Some of us, when traumatic things happen, um, we get hyperactive. It's a natural response. Um, And in our high... um, We do a lot of talking, and that kind of translates into our spirit, and we we get busy in our spirit. This probably connects back pretty easily with the be, uh, uh, be patient. But there is a time in the darkness where you just need to stop and be quiet and listen. Remember Solomon's words? Listen in the presence of God. In a traumatic time in darkness when the lights go out, we like to find the issue we like to communicate to god it's appropriate to cry out to god to be honest with god etc but but make sure you're you're listening enough for the time when god says you just need to shut up and listen a little bit more and it's 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 a challenge for us in the darkness to to find and to navigate through the darkness when we need to when we need to cry out when we need to be silent when we just need to sit and listen, and so, um, in the darkness, just just expect, when the darkness comes, that you you are going to have to feel your way around this relationship with God, because it, things don't don't seem as obvious in the darkness. Number eight, be strong and courageous. I would point you back to Joshua. And the story of Joshua 1 through 5, especially over and over, God says, be strong and courageous, be strong and courageous, be strong and courageous. Make a note. First Corinthians 16, 13 and 14. It was a voice, uh, a verse I gave my boys uh, uh, over a year ago. And it's been important to me now in these days that I challenge them with that verse. Uh, I'm going to let you look it up. All right. Number nine. Be weak. In other words, be willing to be weak. In the darkness, in those hard moments when the lights go out, don't be afraid of just being weak. If you're weak, if you're broken, if if you don't have any more in you, just be weak. What does the Bible say about our weakness? Anybody? Anybody? It's a place where God can show how strong He is. It's not that he, He's going to become strong in the sense that that, that he's not already strong. He's already strong. But when we quit being strong, when we quit doing the heavy lifting on our own and trying to navigate the darkness on our own, then guess what? God, God finds space in our heart and mind so that he can be the strong one. So in in low times, in dark times, it's a good thing for you to be broken. It's a good thing for you to just say, I can't do it. It's a good thing for you to wave the white flag before the Lord and say, I'm weak. And God can come in and and be the strength as a replacement for your attempts. So don't be afraid to be weak. The greatest men in history, as I think through some of the folks that I've learned about or read about, the greatest men and women in history are probably men and women if you if you if you evaluate any single life probably men and women who aren't afraid aren't afraid to not only share their weaknesses but really own their weaknesses i mean there's a difference right there's a difference in saying well i know this is a weakness but really letting that weakness in humility have an effect on how you how you walk your life out um when I say the greatest men and women in history, I'm not talking about the most popular. I'm not talking about the richest. I'm not talking about the most powerful. I'm talking about the men and women who we instinctively elevate and look at their lives and say, that is a, that is a great man. That's a great woman. That's a great human being. Those people that we are naturally, innately drawn to, that kind of greatness, you will find automatically in them this, this uh, unique, an amazing capacity to just be weak and not be ashamed of being weak. All right. Number ten, be loved. When the lights go out, be loved. The Lord has um, highlighted this one on my list for current events' sake. One, I've been grateful that I, that our family has been so loved. And two, uh, God has challenged me to continue to open my heart and my life to let myself be loved. If there is one on the list where he said, hey, make sure you pay attention to this one. He's he's pointed out this one in particular. It's difficult. It's difficult to uh, in traumatic times for people to allow other people to do what other people want to do. And there are a lot of reasons for that. Some of the reasons uh, before this scenario, I thought I understood, and now they have a whole new perspective. So I say that to you to warn you that, that you really can't comprehend in any given situation why people resist or stiff-arm your help. And it it may be for obvious reasons, it may be for reasons you really you really can't explain even. And so you have to be gracious when they don't receive everything you're trying to give to them, when they don't receive all the all the love that you want to share with them, just continue to be gracious because when the lights go out, stuff happens in darkness that is unfathomable and unexplainable and it, it makes receiving love difficult. And some of you who have had dark moments in life, you get that. And you can't explain it any better than I just did, but you get it. So I have to work on being loved And all of us have to be gracious as we try and share that love. Not only the love of others, but the love of God. The love of God. I'll share more about that in just a moment. Um, Number 11 is be glad. Be glad in your heart. At the end of Ecclesiastes chapter 5, the verse I just read you, verse 20, the last verse of that chapter, Solomon says this, For he will not often consider the years of his life. He's talking about the man who is... In the context of Ecclesiastes, the guy who just looks at life, and sometimes life just stinks, and it doesn't add up to what you thought it was going to add up to, and it's hard in ways you'd never thought it was going to be hard, and in all your wisdom, you can't figure it out, and you're crying out to God and saying, What what do I do here with this? Because this just, this just, it's just bad. It's just bad. In that context, here's what he says. For he, that person, the person who's in that context, will not often consider the years of his life. What that means is, in that language, to consider the years of his life, it's to look at your life and just let it let it weigh so heavy upon you because life stinks at the moment or in the season or looking back over it. If you, if you, if you just consider all the years of your life, the, the tendency might be to say, well, What good is it? And what Solomon says is, is that something else can happen for you, for he will not often consider the years of his life because of something, and here's what it says: because God keeps him occupied I love that word occupied, focused, paying attention to. because God keeps him occupied. With the gladness of his heart. A lot of unique words in that. In that verse. A lot of words that make you think. I wonder why God via Solomon chose those words. You know, there's a tendency to just sit back and say this all stinks. To survey the years, the seasons, the days, the darkness and say this stinks. But there's another option. There is. There is. There is a way somehow that God can enter in on our behalf and cause us, keep us occupied with the gladness of our hearts. Be glad. That's one I have to pray for. Notice that he doesn't say be joyful, be happy, be giddy. Have a big, giant, stupid grin on your face. Nah, let's be honest. That's not it but what he does say is available is that in those days even when we know the truth about survey of our life or the season of darkness we're in God can somehow some way he can preoccupy us with gladness in the depths of our heart and I'm praying for that I pray it for you in your darkness last one be thankful be thankful Count your blessings whether you want to or not. We've heard that over and over, right? Thanksgiving, that's, that's what you hear over and over. We count our blessings one by one, right? There's reasons for that. When I say be thankful, particularly in this context, it has to be an intentional activity. One of the things that I've tried to do with the boys is in prayer, thank God for things about their mom, thank God for things about my wife. Thank God for specific amounts of time that we did have and not just talk about what we don't have. And so what what that means is, the other way you can say that is, God, I'm thankful for her. I'm thankful for for just a few days short of 16 years. And I'm... I mean, I'm strangely encouraged when I take that perspective. There's a man who showed up at my house um, that night, a counselor in our community. And I had Bruce call him because he immediately came to my mind and I hadn't seen him in years. But I met him shortly after his daughter passed away. His daughter passed away as a teenager on a mission trip in a third world country, had appendicitis, I think it was something that could have very easily been taken care of here right you know i'm not uh, i think it's something we handle pretty pretty easily but the resources weren't there and she passed away on the mission field as a teenager and i remember when i saw him shortly after and i don't know i probably said some stupid stuff but i remember him telling me uh what happened and i remember his attitude and this was very shortly after his attitude was overwhelmingly focused on the 16 years he was thankful for having with his daughter. And my mind as I went to speak with him was automatically thinking about all the things he had he had lost, all the things he was going to be robbed of, all the things he was not going to get to enjoy with his daughter. But his perspective, the one who was in the darkness was, and I'm just we're just so we're just so blessed to have known her. I mean, she was so awesome in these ways. Even just as a 16-year-old. And, and, and I'm thinking to myself, are you, are you nuts? I remember thinking about that. But I found that maybe one of the most important things that I can do, especially in my conversations with the boys, is be thankful. Be thankful even in the darkness. A few people have asked me, Pastor, how, what, how's, your, how's your relationship with God? You know, How do you see God in all this? Has it changed? I mean, where do you where do you see Him? Or, or how do you see Him? Someone asked me, how is the love of God communicated to you in all this? And I, I think it's kind of been the same question asked in a whole lot of different ways. The answer for me, I want to share this with you, the answer for me has been, um, if I really think about it, it's been that Our Heavenly Father is in the same room with me. He's been sitting somewhere in this area. And by this area, I mean somewhere off to my right, a couple rows back. I'm kind of a visual person. So when I think about God right now, over the last 61 days, that's where I find Him. And maybe that's a little bit of an odd thing. Maybe you would find him in a different place. I'm not saying that's where God needs to be, but I'm just telling you this is where when people ask me and I thought about it, that's where I find him. And it's been a place of great comfort. Let me tell you why. Maybe some of you have had the experience of being in a dark place or being in a hard place, experiencing loss, uh, some sort of tragedy, etc., and people are coming around and you have some people who come up really close, really fast, and they give you really big hugs, and they and they have really important things to say to you, and they want to pray with you, and they want to encourage you, and they want to they want to want to talk to you. You know what I'm talking about? You you get those talkers that just they and and well-meaning, and they have some benefit, but sometimes you just want to punch them in the face and say, "Hey man, go sit down." All right? Um, transparency here. It's, I'm going a little overboard. Uh, I'm sorry, I didn't say Craig, no, Craig gave me a big hug, he asked permission even to give me a hug, um, but I, I, I say, I say that to, have you ever had the person who shows up in your moment and, uh, and they just sit in the room and, and sometimes, um, um, you don't even notice they're there for for a little while. You, you, um, <clears throat> I remember when uh, Kimberly and I lost our first baby. She had a miscarriage and um, I was at the hospital. She was in with the doctors and they were doing what they do and, and I was in the waiting room and I was the only one there. We just went to be checked and, uh, see what was going on and I remember just sitting in the waiting room kind of just zoned out and um, I realized uh, after a while I thought I was the only one in the in this small waiting room but after a while I noticed that um, Brian Holland my friend who was here just uh, last week he was in the room and when I noticed he was there it was apparent to me that he had been there a while And um, some of you have had that experience, the great comfort of just, you didn't have to say anything. And you're grateful that they didn't say anything. But they are just there. And Brian was sitting right over here. And uh, that's kind of the same place that I've uh, imagined God being. He's my Heavenly Father. He's right there. And he didn't want to just run up and Get in my face and give me answers. But he very clearly is. He's sad and mourning with me. And he doesn't have to say anything right now. And I don't need him to say anything. At some point I'll ask him to say some stuff. But right now, uh, every now and then, he comes over and he just, from behind, puts a hand on my shoulder. Cries with me. Doesn't say a thing. That's it. Um, that's uh, you know, that's where me and God are right now. One of the things that he has said to me, and I'll end on this, came very clear. I was in Jacksonville, I was at that conference, and uh, a chaplain friend that I became pretty quick friends with at another training was roommates with, He's the pastor of what I jokingly now call Cornerstone North in uh, Newport, Rhode Island. He's the pastor. He's 38 years old. He's my age. We ended up being roommates. Got to talking. What do you do? Pastor church. What's the name of your church? Cornerstone. That's the name of my church. A lot of weird stuff. Um, God, we both now know God put him in, in my life for a reason. And I'm in his life for a reason. He came to that conference. He got orders to come to that conference, mainly just because he wanted to hang out and, uh, and be around. And so I was sharing with him a lot of stuff. And he was, he's one of the people that I've talked to and I've been talking to. And uh, I was sharing with him in, in part of our conversation just my great anger for the evil that was uh, put upon my family. The great evil that, that has happened. The anger that I've had towards Satan and his schemes. Some of you might remember that about a year ago, I did a six-week sermon series on the schemes of the adversary. Six D's. You remember any of them? Six ways. He's got a bunch more, but six of the main ways that Satan would like to, would like to mess around with us, discourage us, discredit us, our testimony, deceive us. He's, the, he's a liar from the beginning. Divide us. He likes to creep in and get between us, doesn't he? Our families, our marriages, our friendships, our churches. The last one on the list, it was the last for a reason. It was kind of the penultimate in my mind. Um, the last of the D's was death. That if nothing else works, Satan is a murderer from the very beginning. He's, his job is to seek to steal, kill, and destroy the Bible says. So if he can't, if he can't get you into error, if he can't get you into lies, if he can't divide you, if he can't discourage you, if he can't, if he can't uh, use any of those other ploys, he might just try and he might just try and kill you. Um, Some of you have heard this story from the night that everything happened. I was sitting in my driveway and Have you ever had the, the situation where out of the blue, a word from the Lord comes to your mind and you know it's not of you because you're not even thinking about anything related, but it just kind of comes in and you know it's from the Lord. I had one of those out of the blue moments sitting in my driveway, but it didn't come from this direction. It didn't come from the Lord. It came from this direction. It came from our adversary. And in the fraction of a moment in my heart, in my mind, he took me back to the preaching of a series on the schemes of my enemy. And he reminded me in a millisecond of, of all the five schemes. And he took me to the moment where I was preparing as your pastor to preach the final sermon in that series that he would try death if he could. And in that millimoment, second, whatever you want to call it. He, he reminded me that in my heart, when I, was preparing to preach that sermon that I didn't buy it. I didn't believe it. Uh Transparency. I'll be honest with you. I remember preaching or preparing to preach that sermon and I thought, you know what? That's the most far-fetched or the most fanciful out of all these that I'm preaching. I mean, all the others are very practical and believable Death, it sounds good, and it'll preach good. And I put it in there, and it was the last one, and, it, and it, it's in the Bible. It makes sense theologically. I get it. I understand it. I'll stand behind it. But, I, but I, I remembered in that moment, in the depths of my heart, if I were really honest, if there was one that I didn't really think that he ever really, ever really used, maybe not, maybe back in the day, but not anymore, he reminded me that I didn't believe it. And the word that came out of the blue was, I got you. Now, um, my initial response to that was shock and fear that if that's true, then then there should be some healthy fear of our adversary because he is everything that I had preached to. He was. And um, my own words came back to haunt me about how evil he really is. And so evil took on a whole new weight and depth in that moment for me. What happened in the subsequent days was that um, I could make a couple different choices. One, I could say, I've got two other boys that I need to be worried about. And maybe I just need to shut my mouth. And, um, you know, that's a, that's a, that's a real thing i mean if, if if he really if he was really involved then then i should be afraid and maybe i need to think maybe i need to think twice but as soon as those thoughts come in the holy spirit comes in from the other side and says uh, you know that's not that's not how this goes you know that's not how this is going to pan out and god began building in me this great desire to just stand up and shoot a big old bird up to the adversary, wherever he is, sorry, transparency, a little too much. Yeah. But my heart was just, to, just to fight back, just to punch him in the face, and just say, no, nah, big boy, you're not. It's not, it's not going that way." Um, in fact, I'm, I'm gonna, I'm gonna fight even harder now. And I was. I say all that to bring you up to speed. I'm sharing all that with my buddy, my friend. And I'm expressing to him with great excitement and confidence that, that I'm asking God to redeem this great evil. And I am. I'm asking him in some way, some form, some fashion to even use me to redeem this great evil. I want payback. And I want God to, to redeem it in a healthy way, good Christian way. Right, and uh, my buddy he uh, he said, "Well, hey, listen, Daryl." He said, "I just want to say this to you. Take it for what it's worth." He said, "Just be careful that um, you don't spend too much time thinking about the evil. Make sure you think way more about your father than you do about your enemy." And I pretty quickly said, "Yeah, yeah." Okay, yeah. And I felt, a. Li- he, he didn't give it to me like a correction. He just gave it to me. And I, I pretty quickly filed it away. And I said, yeah, I'm going to have to come back to that. I think I have to come back to that. So the conference went on and I went back in. We were on a lunch break. I went back in and I wasn't able to pay attention because my mind's in 10 different places. And, um, and so sitting there, I said, Lord, all right. Something about what my friend just said is important. And I tucked it away, but I'm pulling it out, and I want to ask you, what do you want me to, what do you want me to hear in, in what he just said? And um, <clears throat> from this way, out of the blue, not me, one of those moments again, in that, in that millisecond in my mind and heart, God jumped right on that question with an answer. And very quickly to my mind came the words of the adversary. I got you. And his response to that was. No, I've got you. And. uh, (laughs) That's really the only thing I've heard from him. Specifically. Other than that, he's. He's my good father. Three seats over, one or two rows back. And uh, in the darkness, it's just good to know that he's got you. Amen? All right, let's pray. Lord, all all the bad stuff is real and it's true. It's hard and it's heavy. And um, as much as I try or we try when the lights go out to make sense of things, we can't always do it. We certainly can't always do it in the time frame that we want to do it. So thanks be to God, our great Father, and to your Son, our great Savior, that you've got us. I'm glad, Lord, that you've got me. When the lights go out, I pray, Lord, that um, for those who who were here to hear this word from you today, they would be reminded and that they would hear very clearly from from right field or wherever you are in their heart and mind, Lord, that they would know it's a word from you. These these very true words that you've got them. And I pray that those words in the darkest of moments would be enough. And when they realize that all the pain hasn't gone away and all the questions haven't gone away, but that you've got them still, that it would be enough. In Jesus' name, who is our cornerstone, we pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you for listening today. We hope this message was a blessing to you. To learn more about our church or our media ministry, you can visit us online at www.cornerstone.org or find us on Facebook.